The brothers abide, but not this weekend. In honor of Drive Away Dolls and Ethan Coen's solo directing joint coming to theaters this weekend, what's your favorite Coen Brothers movie? I'm Katie Rich, and true to form, I have a lot of affection for this particular Oscar year, and I think this uh, movie is a masterpiece that's funnier than we remember, so let's just go with No Country for Old Men. I'm Matt Patches, and when I googled Coen Brothers movies as a reminder, the movie I was thinking of was the first result, and I, that was unexpected to me, so it must be a reason for me to pick A Serious Man, just an anxiety-fueled nightmare of a movie that only the Coen Brothers could make in no genre. Perhaps you're gonna Love be it. fine. Love it. <laughs> hey, it's me, David the Seven, and sometimes your first is your best remembered. And for me, that's raising Arizona. Uh, and I'm David Ehrlich. And while a serious man is, is definitely at or near the very top of my list, Patches took it, so I will go with Inside Lewin Davis. Watch a lot, a lot of, of movie brothers. on uh, Pluto TV. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interrupted with bizarre commercials just when you least expect it. Yeah. I feel like their pool of movies is, is diminishing, but Inside mm. Lewin Davis is almost always on and happy to pick up any. I any mean, it, it met a Good very time. hungover me with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark with commercials, and I was perfectly fine with it. That's why Pluto TV was made. Pluto TV, please still sponsor us anytime you want. We're ready. I don't wanna, please don't shoot me into outer. Face. Outer face. <clears throat> Outer face. Face. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good. Then, well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It is, uh, it is episode 463. It is the week of Wednesday, February 21st. Back then, in 1952, the Golden Globes happened in late February. My God. Uh, and A Place in the Sun won Best Motion Picture. And this I don't has think to be the, the least important bit of trivia we've ever had in Ooh. an episode. I mean, I a, place, a Place in the Sun is an incredible movie and uh, probably one of the more valid awards the Golden Globes have ever given. So I'll celebrate it. All I right. think they've done they've done out. okay for themselves over the this years. Is, I don't think it's only the a Golden Globes. I think yeah, doing, they've, they've given good to say a, they've done okay for themselves. They have Let's given just leave awards it at, to worthy contenders in, uh, it, in the past. In the world of uh, foreign uh, courtroom dramas uh, that uh, have a woman at the center, this was also the date that the interrogation of Joan of Arc after she was captured started. Would would that have wow. been more important? Patches. Wow, I thought Joan of Arc was a much older historical figure, but well, it's not birth. on nineteen in nineteen fifty two. Nineteen fifty two, Joan of Arc was interrogated. <laughs> in February. That's that silent film they made about Joan of Arc was uh, weirdly prescient. They just knew that she was yeah, going to be like interrogated it. in the fifties. In how the fifties, that they were like, oh, "This seems really oddly familiar and spe- specifically wrong. for everyone back then." <laughs> yeah, uh, we have. I don't know. No, I'm supposed to ask. Do we have? reviews or will our listeners be punished um well as much as i would like to tell our listeners about how i have cracked the top five thousand in the world rankings of marvel snap as uh, Ooh, you know wow. you can see it on my little thing you mean you're at five thousand or you're inching i was up to like thirty five hundred and now i'm somewhere between four and five thousand david has been fully um, activated here 
Yeah, uh, but I can't because we do have a review from Fury Road 2015, um, who says, a fun podcast with quasi-learning. I heard about you oh. folks through Katie's annual Thanksgiving appearances on THOB. I'm going to go with That Had Oscar Buzz. So close. This had Oscar this Buzz. This had Oscar Buzz. Wow. On Jeopardy, I you've, would now... You've uh, heard of it. I would have no money. Um, and... Uh, where were we? Plus, then using part of your URL. So far, it's been a fun listen to film criticism and pop culture ephemera. Where else would you hear Ehrlich's contrarian preference for the auto-driven films to patch his take on broad appealers? I'm also glad that Dave Seven is able to break down the convoluted cash cow known as the MCU. Aside from current media, your references ranging from Titanic to obscurities, e.g. Home, Fa- Home Fries, Drop Dead Fred, etc., Remember when we watched Home Fries? What a time. Uh, <laughs> remind me of exposures that were carried down to me after the fact from my older sibling. Even being a decade younger, her opinions being similar to your takes is coincidental. Also, I'm laughing at the shout outs to Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania, since I live near that area. Shout out P- PM. Uh, but overall, I'm enjoying my time of having my tastes be broadened. So keep up the entertainment, Peter. Thanks. We will, Peter. Thanks, Peter. We will. Shout we out will to your sister. Shout out to Plymouth Meeting. <laughs> woo woo. I do not remember shouting out Plymouth Meeting. I don't remember we that. We probably at all. talked about the King of Prussia Mall. We, sh- we shouted out every oh, episode. Oh, that was part of the Home Fries episode. That was <laughs> the date movies. Yeah. Okay. All right. No. No. <laughs> Listen, you, you record an episode on Home we Fries. We all had to and watch like, a movie Patches didn't get to see. <laughs> and you're like, who could this? who could this episode possibly resonate with? And then you find out. What a world. Um,. Well, if you would like to have your <laughs> review read aloud on the show, your musings, your thoughts, your personal anecdotes, write us write us at uh, Fighting the War Room on Apple's podcast app. We'll read it here. Or you can email us at an email address. Yeah. If you put a gun to my head, I wouldn't be able to tell you, even though we do this every single week. Dave. F-I-T-W-R.podcast at gmail.com. We got one email this week. This is from Darby Act. It's Josh. We know Josh uh, pretty well. Um, uh, but, uh, so well, in effect, he has been listening. They, they have been listening to the episodes and, uh, sent us this email, uh, called a letterbox list. Hello, amazing fitware folks. Quick email to share the letterbox I made for the fighting in the war room hall of fame. I'll keep it up to date. If any more suggestions go in a Serbian film in 127 hours have been added. So you guys, based off a review, <laughs> we have been adding to our, uh, so-called, Fighting in the War Room Hall of Fame. We have 127 hours. We have Aquaman. We have Carol. We have Forgetting Sarah Marshall. We have Foxcatcher. We have the remake of The Lion King. We have Lyle mm. Crocodile. We have The Mummy, the singular entry in the dark universe. We have Road <laughs> to Wellville. We have a Serbian film. And we have Soul Surfer. I will put it in the description. Soul Surfer twice. I do think Lyle Crocodile is, is a cusper there. I don't know. I feel about Lyle the way you feel about forgetting Sarah Marshall, David. And uh, we just have to accept okay. that. Um, but, uh, and soon to join those ranks, Madam Web. <laughs> I, I, so. I, I, yeah, I would think so. Not to tease our final segment, but I'm, I'm really praying. Well, you could definitely send us emails with uh, helpful additions to the Fighting of the Worm Hall of Fame with just other thoughts, questions, musings, International reviews, all of that at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. And unless you don't want it uh, read on the podcast, in which case you could say so, we do get a few of those. And thank you still for being in contact. Uh, we'll read it on the podcast. 
But uh, that's all we have for this week. So let's get on with the show. It's the dream. We're going to start by we're discussing two really uh, how did this how did this get made efforts this week. Uh, we already mentioned that Madam Web is coming up later in the show, but released the same weekend as Madam Web, starring another uh, pop culture icon with great hair. I'm sure we can come up with more similarities between Madam Web and This Is Me Now: Colon A Love Story. The um, J-Lo it's and describe- Dakota Johnson really do both have great hair, though. That's a good They do good both have great hair. I think, And I think J- the extent of uh, J- both of them in their movies uh, go through a lot of stuff, and yet their hair remains great and flawless, which is important. I would say everyone in this movie is connected to her web. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Very true. Her astrological uh, web. Yes. yes. Uh, it is a described by Wikipedia as a romantic drama musical film which okay. I guess is a way it, it's a, I, I think a lot of people <laughs> didn't know it was going to be 66 minutes long when they put it on. Yeah. So it really kind of straddles the line between Wait, like, what did you think? What did people think they were? No, like that a was a devastating film. Like I thought it was yeah. going to be like a, I thought it was going to have, I mean, I guess it does have Michael a Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. I mean, it's long. I mean, just the, but the, it, it's, the trailer really gives you the impression that somebody gave JLo a hundred million dollars to make her own cloud Atlas. And I was so hyped for this movie for that reason. Only to discover when I got the screening invitation, it was 65 minutes long. And immediately just looking at that runtime, it snaps into place what this project really is. Um, uh, so I mean, Jennifer Lopez gave herself $20 million to make this movie, which is still a shit really? ton of money for. Wait, what do you I mean she gave herself oh, she like $20 million? Finance it, right? She financed it. I don't know that she put in all of the $20 million. I mean, Amazon is releasing this film to some extent. Um, this is her like, megaopolis. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this this is uh, yeah. Who else is self financing movies? Yeah, it's certainly. I mean, there's a Hollywood Reporter story about it last week in which uh, multiple people in her life were like, "Yeah, I thought this was a bad idea. I just want to like put it on the record." Like Jane Fonda's like, "I wasn't going to be in this movie," and then she talked me into it. So, the amount of people who are trying to not claim credit for this movie is uh, possibly. <laughs> well, I would watch. It's- I would watch a, a film about. <laughs> Like RPG style J Lo collecting people over the years who she could call on <laughs> to appear in this film because I was like, what the fuck is Jane Fonda doing in this movie? And then my friend Marie, who was watching it with me, was like, step uh, monster in law, monster in law, baby. I was like, she's just oh, okay. like collecting collecting mm-hmm. these people over the years. And we know who like all Kiki must Palmer's have had a, in there. Yeah, we all must Wait, have had a good time Kiki working Palmer with her. Uh, hustlers. Oh, keep yeah. telling me. Keep telling me why people. Neil deGrasse Tyson? That was one I don't in, know. I haven't figured that Congress? one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just, she was just the son, which is actually the premise of this movie. Um, yeah, it's interesting. J-Lo, you know, I went into the movie knowing that it was about her romantic life, that she was kind of processing her, her therapeutic experience, examining love and her seeming obsession with love. I thought it would be more, like, melodramatic and more telling and maybe more uh, goss- filled like lemonade kind of was like lemonade had that moment after beyonce put it out where people were interpreting the lyrics and wondering uh, who the rumors are about and if she's kind of uh, airing her baggage or whatever like or, di- or airing the dirty laundry mixing metaphors here but uh i thought the movie was well to david's point like not what i was expecting kind of music videos i just feel like j-lo watched a lot of silo 
on Apple TV. And was wow, like, she's the one? She's the person who watched me. Silo on Apple TV? I, uh, it, no, I'm sorry. Silo you, was extremely popular. Was it? I, I think Silo is super popular. Silo sat at the top of the Apple most watched for like weeks and weeks and weeks over the summer. Mm. And Jayla was one of them. And Jayla it. was like, I am going to be in Silo, except my Silo is a giant heart. So that's the part where she's like dressed like a doc, like a mine worker in a tank top, and they're they have pedals on bushes, but also like a big metal heart. Yeah, it's a big heart machine. And, they got a. And what's making down. the heart machine die? Like, are are not enough people in the world loving, or is it all just about her love that makes that heart machine run? I didn't figure that part out. This is very <laughs> important. At the end, down, she becomes a sunbeam or something. She activates she the sun, and her zodiac signs are happy. Mm-hmm. Is that what happens in the and movie? They're all wearing sunglasses. I was confused that, and there isn't an Aquarius. We discovered they seem to have forgotten that. I mean, there must be some meaning behind that. Maybe, uh, maybe like Owen Wilson didn't show up to set one day, or like (laughs) 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 Um, my my two takeaways are that to your point, like they're they're getting all these people involved, but maybe they don't want to be there. Obviously, Ben Affleck, she has reunited with him. They had a relationship. They fell out. They're back together. They're married now. Ben Affleck is technically in the film. He chooses to wear prosthetics and play a goofy news anchor in the movie, I guess because he's just too embarrassed to actually be in it and believe that this is really happening. I don't blame him. It is for... very, it's almost like he's trying to look like Trump in a weird way or like Boris Johnson. Like, like he's got this he's weird a, wig on. He's like a Fox News commentator. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know. That's an interesting role for him to play in the movie about his wife's romantic life. It is very weird. But the, the no movie that ends with her being like, I don't need love to be fulfilled. I'm going to go to a wedding without a plus one and I'm on my own. You're like, but you're married, you're married to Ben, ben Affleck, Affleck now. <laughs> like, we all and know he's dressed up as Trump. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, it would be very weird if this movie about like a serial monogamous looking for love is like, and then I married someone who I was with 20 years ago and it's all working out fine. Well, it so, does. Like, I it, mean, makes... it does end with her getting with Ben Affleck. I mean, like that. You know, it Does? isn't. Is it, yeah, the ending is not like, oh, I'm happy to be alone. The ending is she finds Mr. Wright. It's Ben Affleck. You see his chin, and they get on a motorcycle and they drive off oh, to Las Vegas, where Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez did in fact get married. I should have paid more attention. Chin. I was about She's, to say, if I'd paid more attention to his Batman, I'd recognize the she chin. She is a serial monogamist. Uh, it is something that she addresses head on in this movie, where her like fake weird friends are telling her that she can't be alone. And uh, she has not been alone. She's been in a relationship at all times since uh, we've been aware of who she is. And uh, and now she's uh, with Ben Affleck and she's celebrating the the long journey, the circuitous road that she had to take to get from Ben to Ben. I just want to say, I saw a lot of like one star reviews of this movie on Letterboxd before diving in. I enjoyed this. (laughs) Like, J-Lo is a really good dancer and there's mm-hmm. a lot of dancing in the movie and that's about it like well, i don't understand how the person who starred in the cell couldn't get tarsem to just do this <laughs> for her. but no because but she wanted to make they got she fake tarsem make, to make it but i mean she didn't I mean, like, tars, like tarsem would have directed the version of this movie that i had hoped we were getting but right. what the, the she's really is doing like, here it's the is the fall but it's right. my life you know but she what she's really doing here is making a kind of music video the way that you know pop stars used to make music videos when she was coming up the kind of music videos they would make that are so you know high concept and dance driven and so she got dave myers who's a very accomplished music video director to do it uh and this is the way that you have to package those kind of music videos now i mean if you want them to be seen and talked about i mean there's yeah, just no spend 20 million dollars on them well 
That was her choice, but I think... Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's 60 um, minutes worth of music video. That's yeah. what cost dollars. It's a movie. I mean, I think the... like I also wouldn't give this one star, but I do think it, it's hampered by the vanity nature of it. And I know Vanity Project is an insult, but like it truly is the only thing that you can call this. And J-Lo's whole project of like the past... Probably her whole career is like this extremely polished public persona. And like even in this where she's like getting vulnerable and you're seeing her therapist, and you're supposed to be seeing deep inside her. It still feels super, super, super polished. Like she doesn't the have the ability. Her therapist is Fat Joe. Yeah, excuse me. I'm so sorry. Mm, yes. um, Who seems I, to have, I mean, no longer. Dr. Think, fat Joe. Yeah, but I mean, I think he's, he's like got to drop the fat at this point. It's just Joe now. Yeah, he's, he's just looking like a person. He's looking real skinny. But I remember when we talked about um, Marry Me, the Owen Wilson movie that uh, sure. we were referencing, we talked about it last year, and I had just watched The Mirror Has Two Faces around the same time, and I was thinking about J-Lo and Barbara Streisand as like divas with a lot of control over their lives, and then she watches the way we were in this movie, and it just made me think more about how like both of them are like, we're New York girls, like we're just like everybody else, but Barbara like lets herself look bad and lets herself kind of be vulnerable, and J-Lo just does not have where's that Where's the opportunity in, in this movie, like, this movie's not setting out to. I don't, what what's unsuccessful about it? I guess is my question. Because yeah, I mean, not, I'm asking the movie to do something that it was never intending to do, but I think it would be more interesting if it were less polished and obvious in terms of what it wants, what she wants us to take away. And when you say Vanity Project, how much do you hate women? Oh, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's a Vanity Project because her hair looks so good the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't a, know that I needed her to be thing. settling scores, but I think just, like, as in Marry Me, it's just, just like, oh, you know, I'm so troubled. It's like, no, you look perfect and do nothing wrong for the entirety of this movie. And, like, that is just the story that you want to tell, which is fine, but it's not as interesting as Lemonade. It doesn't feel like it has no. any, like, larger meaning. It doesn't I, feel like it has that much meaning to her. I don't think any person on Earth, including Jennifer Lopez, would compare this to Lemonade in the right mind. No, but I, I, mean, think, it's a, I like, think in terms of like an autobiographical album of a major pop star, like looking at her life, like I think it's a fair yeah, comparison. The projects but, diverge immediately upon yes, conception. Yes, absolutely. Um, 100%. I, I think Lemonade has some higher-minded things on its mind, and uh, this yeah, is really... That's the po- that's but case I think, point. Yeah, yeah, but I think, I think that J-Lo is... Yeah, fine. But like J-Lo is... I think this is how she can be confessional... And yeah. this is this is her means of doing that. This is as close as she get while still retaining that sort of celebrity veneer. There is something very, and this has always been true of a relationship with Ben Affleck, like sort of hard on your sleeve, risking embarrassment to include him to be so upfront about who this is about. Because you know, God forbid, the relationship didn't work out. Um, you know, this would this, this would have to make a sequel. Uh, but <laughs> she brought probably will. I mean, I, I I think for a sixty-five minute you know, Mondo music video that is so unafraid of being embarrassing. I mean, it's hard not to find it a little endearing, I think. that She is a great dancer, and the communities are, the the, the uh, cameos are fun. The whole astrological Greek chorus thing, uh, God. It may, I mean, it's just agonizing. But, yeah. You know what's weirder, though, is the group of friends on Earth. Like, she's got the astrological yes, Greek they are talking weird, about her. And right. then she has all of these people in real life also doing that, and none of them are famous. So you're like, who are these guys? The, it's weird that they And they both. all have names like, they're like the, like, because she's like the act, the artist. Right. The and fighter. They're, they're sure. like the fighter and whatever. And yeah, the, the, the real life friends are all very Uncanny Valley. I don't know. Well, they're I all dancers, I, like I assume. Like, I get, like, like, most of the people mm. who are in this movie who aren't. Uh, in the council or Paul Racy, 
Uh, shows oh my god, Paul Racy. Oscar nominee. <laughs> Oscar nominee, Paul so Racy. Funny. He was in, uh, I looked it up, he was in her like um, Netflix action movie, The Mother. So he's like oh, on the oh, jail okay. payroll. I'm wow. telling Good you, she just connected. Paul the web Racy. is connecting everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I do agree. As somebody who uh, I believe owned Michael Jackson's Moonwalker on mm. VHS and watched it over and over again, granted as a child, but is is that a possibility for This Is Me Now, a love story? Or is there like... Will you buy uh, it on DVD? Is that what you're asking? Well, um, will people be revisiting it just because like, hey, why not just put on this like, I mean, it's silly not a dance classic movie. like that because that was a one-of-a-kind thing and now these types of movies come out all the time. But I do think... To David's point, this was not. Jayla did not set out to make lemonade. She didn't set out to be raw. She set out to find a way to spend twenty million dollars on something that she could make her money back and do something extravagant and and be an artist in her own way. And I think the this movie is the equivalent of her selling her like wedding photos to People Magazine. Mm. And it's like yeah. I need to be personal because that will no studio will turn down. I'm going to tell, I'm going to like air my dirty laundry in a dance video. Mm, oh, we'll buy just, that in a second. That's pure clickbait. And I she gets to do whatever she, she wants. And yeah, I don't mean I, that in a, like a, to vilify her or something. That's like, it, it's, it's how you get this movie made. It's how you get to dance around the silo. Yeah. I, I do think, you know, what do I know? I've never met JLo, JLo but like, uh, I do feel like she is uh, being very candid in her own way about her feelings of neediness and serial monogamy and uh, worthiness, all these things that are wrapped up in that. I mean, I think this is as clear a window into that as we're going to get, or it would be if she wasn't following this up with another uh, Amazon project next week, a documentary about her time and uh, about this time in her life, which I think is going to be even more interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, around the silo in that. It, you feel like there's a real person behind this um, who is, trying to grapple with their feelings uh in the only way that they sort of know how and have been conditioned I mean, you certainly to do know in one the years, of the so. early sequence like maybe it's the second big dance sequence where it kind of gets into like domestic violence she has a big mm. dance sequence in yeah. a glass apartment which is it's all really green cool screen set. as the preview of the documentary Shows. Oh, well, it's incredible. I that. Well, even even like the interior is green screen. Like, yeah, she's it's just like literally, literally, stage. they're just oh, wow. in a blank room against a green screen. I was it's, wondering, it's like, like Sky Captain in the world of tomorrow. <laughs> there are there are sequences that, like she walks through New York in the movie, which you think for J Lo that should be maybe an attempt at the most authentic thing, but no, that's like that looks no. like. Uh, half baked David Fincher, everything CG in the city. Look, <laughs> look but I gotta say, the glass. In the world of tomorrow. I think yeah, David no, yeah, summed it up. A, that's a yeah. great, yeah, it's a great comparison. But the glass apartment looks fantastic. Like I thought, some of the sequences. That's why my mind went to Tarsem. I'm like, there's a guy out there who could have stepped this up, yeah. and you know him. He did the cell. That looks cool. I don't want to say I don't think that J-Lo is a real person, but I don't get as much the sense of like someone who's like genuinely trying to express herself. I get the sense of someone who has been famous and guarded and packaging herself for so long, but like this is the closest she can get. And that's okay. Like we don't deserve much more insight into her, but it, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of authenticity kind of beating underneath this. Wow. Ouch. Well, Such a cynic, uh, J-Lo. Such this is me now, a love story, I believe is on Amazon. And then yes, we'll be followed up by a documentary uh later there is also an album i believe that's part three uh but i have not followed jennifer lopez music 
Well, yeah, well, because twenty in years ago, whenever it was, there was this is this was me then, and now yeah. the follow up album. Well, not the follow up album. There've been several albums between. The, but the most recent album is this is me now. I think the songs are not bad. I don't can't think of uh, anyone that like, really stuck with me. No, but like, <laughs> but, they, like they, they work. You know, yeah, yeah. I nodded my head, Katie. I'm just I'm. I hope that you do not get cast in a very popular sitcom and win a Golden Globe, and then J Lo calls you out for this review of her movie because uh, you're. Oh my you're, god! You're, you're, I, I hope you know what you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the way that Jennifer Lopez uh, talked about her and uh, that variety story, I think that, that like she she needed an apology for that. I was like, mm, you, mm. you you do not live on the mortal plane that the rest yeah. of us do. Here's here's something I could say right now. I will never apologize to Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> say oh, that I would, right I, now. would I would fold immediately. I would apologize a hundred times if I needed to, but uh, I'm not saying that I should have to. Billy. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? When we all fall asleep, where do we go? Come here. All right, David. Sounds mm. like you and I were uh, the two people who uh, managed to digest all of True Detective Night Country. This is the fourth <laughs> season of True Detective. Kind of in name only. Uh, here's the things that you might know about True Detective Night Country if you didn't watch True Detective Neat. Night Country. Uh, one of HBO's biggest hits uh, of recent memory uh, sort of outdid other hits like Succession and The Last of Us in terms of overall streaming numbers. Millions of people watched True Detective Night Country. It is not by Nick Pizzolatto, the person who produced the first three seasons of True Detective. This is Issa Lopez, who wrote and but directed. He, he's a big fan. It has of it, been right? trolled. Oh, yeah, big it's been fan. Trolled yeah. by Nick he's Pizzolatto. a huge. He's a huge fan. Reddit. Nick Pizzolatto. He's <laughs> cashing the checks of being an executive producer. What's he and, doing right now? Is he? Uh, he just on the got. Thing? Ca- he just got kicked off Blade. Um, but yeah. he was working on Blade last year. Uh, the rundown Variety did of uh, the things that he has uh, either not made or uh, made and nobody cared about was pretty exceptional uh, in Dang. the 10 years since True Detective. So as you might notice, there's been uh, lots of discussion about True Detective Night Country because it is uh, apparently divisive um, in the, the realm of fans and critics. Um, uh, and I've seen it portrayed this way, and I've also seen it with my own two eyes this way, but... Uh, there's some madmen uh, running around the uh, True Detective Night Country discourse. David, I'm interested as somebody else who watched it. How did you ultimately come down on True Detective Night Country? I mean, you know, one of the luxuries I have in watching television is that I can sort of disengage from all the conversation around it. Um, and for up until like episode four or five, I was sort of blissfully unaware that this show was at least by some loud pockets of the internet being so hated. I mean, I remember the reviews being positive when, when the show launched. Um, and I, it was a show that my wife and I decided to actually sit down and watch together. Uh, and we were having a grand old time. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was very, very funny seeing people talk about like the sacred text of the mm-hmm. first season of true yeah, detective i was like this this like kind of uh, above par uh detective show that kind of runs out of gas and eats its own asshole as it goes along like i was 
uh, I remember being like, oh, look, like Carrie Joji Fukunaga is doing long takes in that episode. That's fun. And like, you know, and Matthew McConaughey is giving us something that he hasn't given us before, but uh, would not have put it in the pantheon. Um, do not, you know, people coming out of the world work to be like, true detective means boys. <laughs> Just, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, anyway, what a world we live in. Um, but uh, I, I, I enjoyed watching the season of true detective. I was whelmed by how it all turned out. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, it was kind of a, a bad food in such small portion situation where it's like, I I didn't love it, but I also feel like it would have been stronger had it not been squeezed into six episodes. Uh, you know, the previous seasons had all been eight, I believe. Uh, and this one, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe that was what Issa Lopez felt was, was right for it. Um, hard to say, but it did feel very squashed and rushed to me. Um, and the, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just, there's a lot of business going on, but I loved, I, I liked the dynamic between the characters. I love seeing Jodie Foster sort of go off pissed as this uh, cantankerous um, and extremely horny straight cop in, uh, in Alaska who was fucked literally every man in the show. The people who have expressed shock over no one being a lesbian on this show. It just is endless. <laughs> um, but, well, no, there are, there are her, lesbians. Yeah, her there daughter's a lesbian. Uh, but, okay, um, all right. Uh, and uh, I thought Callie Reese, is, I, she's a strong screen presence who I've seen before in... Um, it's a Tribeca movie, uh, the name of which is escaping me right now. It's hard. It's a hard name to forget. It is called uh, Catch the Fair One. Um, mm. uh, I, I thought they were good together. I, I like the vibe. I like, you know, the whole uh, 30 days of night, you know, night country vibe that we're in here. Um, you really feel like it's at the end of the world, much more so than Carcosa, any of that shit. Um yeah, I mean, I I thought that the mystery was compelling, but the problem with True Detective is always that it wants to flirt with the supernatural, but always sort of walk the line between what's real and what's imagined and what's in this world and what's sort of, you know, maybe alluded to another one. Um, and the the most fun part of all of these seasons are when it feels like you sort of delude yourself into feeling like it's on the knife's edge and go either way. Um, and the least fun part of all these seasons is when inevitably there is an all too rational explanation for what happened. Um, and you realize that they had to reverse engineer a lot of busy work that isn't particularly exciting from that explanation. And then they have to throw in a few vagaries and open-ended questions to allow for the, you know, the, the hints to continue that maybe there could have been some supernatural things at play. And all of that is is here. I don't know. I, I mean, I thought it was. I thought it was fine. I had a good time watching it. I love seeing John Hawks, uh, you know, be a morally compromised Alaska cop. Uh, I thought Finn Bennett was was strong as his son. Uh, I mean, I really. I, I don't know. I had no complaints. I watched it for an hour on Sunday nights. It did its thing. <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, what more? What more does the internet want? I don't know. I think that. I'm about where you are, which is I around episode four delved back into the subreddits and whatnot, uh, because it had been a while, obviously since true detective season three, uh, but like in the middle of any true detective season, the people who are really enjoying it come up with some of the craziest shit, uh, that I actually like. I like that sort of, it's, it's a safe place to do the kind of debating that is sometimes done with 
true crime, which I think is a lot more morally dubious. But here, in the middle of a fictional television series, we can all talk about it. It was great. But even when I was delving in that time for Night Country, there was a lot of people who were like, this is the worst writing that's ever been on television. There's all these continuity errors. Um, or I think the most frustrating reaction I saw consistently in episodes four through six is like people wouldn't act like this. And I'm like, what a boring life of media you must be watching <laughs> to only watch stories where you people act exactly like you expect them to act in real life. Uh, but but then there's I think there's a lot of cool things about this uh, um, season being a true detective season. Uh, I think doing uh, as much of a flip on what season one was trying to say about masculinity as you can uh, with this particular story. I think Isla Lopez chose a good uh, location and background to do that sort of uh, anti-masculinity flip. I mean, anti and reverse of. I don't think we're necessarily saying all that, but we're definitely... Yeah, um, uh, but uh, also I think this uh, season did something the other True Detective seasons don't do because I think that first season of True Detective was based around these guys finally got a person and sort of uh, the end Matthew McConaughey monologue that was ripped off from Alan Moore about how the light was winning. Uh, all these cops are bad. They're bad police officers, all of them. Every single one of them, I love that perspective. Where it's like, it doesn't, it, yes, these detectives aren't doing the best at getting to the actual, uh, you know, solutions to the problem, but that's fine. They're Alaska police officers. They're not going to be the best of the best by any stretch of the imagination. I think it was like two years ago, the feds had to like write a whole report about how no Alaska's police were corrupt because they were mm. just ignoring the plight of indigenous women. This thing, this thing happens in real life so the fact that uh, there are so many people were complaining as the season was going on about how bad our two lead detectives were at actually being detectives i'm like yes, right. it's, yes. it's not as if it's not as if they're getting any institutional support um right. to do what they well, do I, but, also they're they're they they happen across stuff by like following you know like visions and whatnot which fits into the theme of the overall series which i think is fine but like a majority of the actual detective work that we saw happen in the series was Finn Bennett doing something off in in between scenes and then bringing us up to up to up to pace? Uh, which again, I think it was fine. Um, I do think it sort of threw too much up into the air in order to catch all of the things uh, falling down. Specifically, a lot of like the orange imageries imagery sort of bounce between characters that had no reason to have orange imagery. Anyway, um, the, the what that, imagery? The oranges. The what? So oranges? Like, yeah. David orange. doesn't see fruit or vegetables. Can you? I, I mean, I <laughs> wish I didn't have to, but... Uh, Remember, she was I, out on the ice, and then she heard uh, whispers, and then an orange came to her, and then later the orange was uh, in... I, I mean, I then, remember her peeling an orange, uh, the Lost Daughter style at the end, but I don't remember the Yes, uh, the yellow king, the now an orange. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I mean, that's the other weird thing, is the it, uh, a lot of the things that make it true detective were very obviously added in after... <laughs> Whatever the story I, was took shape. I will say that what the, makes the something one... true detective at this point? Spirals and someone says time <laughs> is a flat circle. Wow. Okay. There you well, go. This is really only the second season that someone said time is a flat circle, right? That that's um, true. But, but, that definitely happens. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I, the only thing that I found frustrating about the season, which uh, I, I certainly enjoyed a hell of a lot more than several earlier seasons of the show, is that 
I, I felt like this was the first season that really would have been better served by going whole hog into the supernatural. I mean, you have these guys digging into the permafrost in Alaska in search of a ancient or microorganism that could contain the cure for cancer. And uh, they discover something potentially, allegedly, who knows? And it just it just felt like maybe I'm just like too thing pilled, you know, but like it just felt like the opportunity for some H.P. Lovecraft like shit was was just too it's too appealing. It's too much more interesting to embrace that than it is to claw your way back to reality, which yeah. uh, this season had to do. And I so my counterpoint, I don't disagree with that, but my counterpoint is I think they took a much a stance like that with the character Navarro and her ending where depending on how you read, you know, if there are ghosts, if there's a supernatural, you could read the ending differently than if you're just stuck to <laughs> the basis of it. I also, which can, is one can, of the things I didn't like about the finale, but I do think it's there. Can I, can I say a very spoilery thing? Can we just like ring? We're about to end the segment, but we can ring a quick spoiler, not a gong, even just a little spoiler bell. Sure. Um, I just feel like if you're going to get revenge on this group of scientists who are on the verge of curing cancer, but also are involved in some shady shit and are playing a role in all the stillborn babies in this town and also sort of collectively murdered this one woman, why not wait until after they cure cancer? It's like they're right there and you know they're doing it. Just like it just do feels. We, do we know that? I mean, just feels it's a, it's like a real, it's a real trolley wait? problem you're describing here, David. How many dead babies are worth curing cancer? Do you think? I mean, if it, you know, it's the classic problem where if it's my dead baby, then none. But uh, <laughs> if it's if it's you know generic. Oh, oh my God! On cue, Asa. And look, look who's just wandered. Look who's just Asa. Where'd you go? Come here. Asa, go to bed. Dude. Of torture children. Asa, uh, go to bed or you can't cure cancer. <laughs> anyway, I guess I guess that's my reminder that uh, that I'm off target. Is this here. why Find everyone's out. been uh, posting about the ones who walk away from Omelas that uh, Ursula K. Bunzo, do you need to go pee in the potty and go back to bed? Talking about that, that's more about the that's more about the Navarro <laughs> stuff. I think. Okay. Do you want to say hi to my friends? No. Oh. Hi. Is he sleepwalking? Oh. This should not the? be in the show. Well, I think it's going to be our true detective segment. We add some spoilers. Uh, let's move Asa, on. What, hold on. What, why are you just standing behind me? What's going on? David, go help Asa. All right, for the final segment of tonight, as we have alluded to, or maybe you, maybe you saw in the future that mm-hmm. this would happen, and you, uh, you're prepared already. Uh, and maybe your mother died while web. investigating spiders in <laughs> yeah. Peru. That line, not in the movie. The misinformation. Spider powers. How did the spider give her power? We'll get there. Uh, we're going to talk about Madam Web. I think it's the first big comic book movie of 2024. Comic movies, they're back. They're making more of them. <laughs> This movie is not a hit. 
unfortunately. <laughs> I would I not. Know. I would say not. I'm a little not. worried about no. the comic book movie genre. This movie did not connect with audiences. Hopefully, we'll be providing a service with this segment for, for listeners out there who did not make the time and spend their hard-earned cash on seeing Madam Web, which is 95% of the population. Uh, this is also a staggeringly bad movie. Uh, haven't seen one in a while. This... <laughs> That went this hard in that direction to the point where, I mean, this is probably the closest a studio could come to making The Room, which mm. is like a bad movie <laughs> on a different level. There's Morbius, which is part of the Sony cinematic Spider-Man adjacent universe. We'll be streaming um, on Disney Plus March 1st for some reason. That movie sucks ass. Like, that's not a good time at all. That is a, that's trying to be a superhero movie. Hey! He's a vampire. He has powers. He can do power things and do super heroics and save the day or something. Plug him in. It's really boring. It's really bad. I want to start talking about Madam Web with you guys because this movie did set out to try and do something different. Someone said, what if a superhero movie did not have to be a superhero Movie. What if it did not have okay. to contain the elements of so what of, of so many other superhero movies? It could be a different genre. It could contain no action whatsoever. Yeah. Um, what, if, what if Glass was a Spider-Man movie? Mm. That it's definitely trying to get that direction. I so I guess I'm I'm trying to meet this movie where it is a little bit because someone thought this was a good idea, and maybe I see why they did a little bit. They're trying to do something different, but like, what is this movie? going for what is it like even the comp for what they set out to do and is the 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 massive failure of madam web tied to at least an attempt at a bigger swing or like a different direction for what comic book movies and spider-man mythos can result in was this like maybe a good risk for the people who were involved in, in making it who i should say have a really bad track record. Lorenzo Di Bonaventura is the producer of this movie. He produced Snake Eyes, the Transformers mm. films, Infinite, oh, yeah. that god awful Mark Snake, Wahlberg movie. The Snake writers Eyes, of this movie, Snake Eyes, the uh, the G. bad G. one, movie, not the, the G. 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, the writers. Uh, I was looking at this before we were podcasting, like Dracula Untold, The Last Witch Hunter, Gods of Egypt, which I would defend, and Morbius. Oh Ugh. God, yeah. we, we like, don't have Power Rangers of Egypt. There's a Power lot Rangers of Rangers that I would defend a little bit. Just a lot of people not making good movies, but they get to make this and, and they try to do something different. But what the fuck? What did they what were they what did they do? Or I have a can guess. we admire their attempt? I have a guess here, which is someone was like, what if like I Spider-Verse huge? What if since like uh, we've uh, have this growing spider multiverse where there are all these spider people and in the MCU, we had a lot of success with villains knowing that Peter Parker was Spider-Man and being drawn to a universe. What if Terminator with Peter Parker? And I'm convinced that's how this movie started. And then through a whole bunch of chicken shit decision making at the produce producerial level has morphed into Madam Web. Because I could see this as having stakes if we knew the spider characters that were at stake. Instead, we get these three girls who are underwritten and never become superheroes. Um, uh, Dakota Johnson, I think is fine in this movie just because she feels like she knows the assignment to me. She, she's fine until think... she is given uh, <laughs> the, the, the superhero part of the movie. And then when yes. she, she's like, I'm out, I don't care about this. I, I don't know. I guess she knows the assignment in the, in the way that she was like given a book report and what she decided to do 
was like watch the movie version of it and and get up in front of the class and make fun of the assignment. I don't yeah. think she's I don't think she acknowledges the assignment oh, and buys I, in to what this movie I, is. I think Dakota Johnson is far and away the best part of this movie. She definitely uh, no, I'm 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 agreeing with that because she is defying the movie yes, and she, she is making jokes and What I love about Dakota Johnson besides her incredibly withering uh, sense of humor is that she just has no tolerance for bullshit even if she is at the eye of the bullshit storm and she just cannot I, like and I I really genuinely respect this in people this is a problem that presents itself in my life sometimes in less profitable ways but like cannot fake her interest in something that is that far beneath her and is just, I think like all of us baffled in the middle of this and trying to make her way. And it's a really different and interesting energy for a superhero movie or really any kind of movie. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know what it, James Franco thought he was doing toward the end of his I, I don't know. Uh, I just, career. I, I thought she like, was, the good yeah. Version. Yeah. I thought she was a lot of fun to watch and her detachment, particularly as the movie really goes off the rails during its uh, god-awful third act, is is really <laughs> You all stay like, here. I'm going to Peru. Yeah, a point. I mean, <laughs> she, she just goes leaves, to Peru. She leaves the, the country the and the she movie She takes, like, a cab. Yeah, she takes a cab to the middle of the jungle to the to exact Peru. spider web that her mom saw yeah. 30 years previous. Oh uh, she like, brings the cab back. I just, I found there's something about, like, so many of these things, the absurdity of what was happening, like, almost didn't occur to me. Because I felt like I was so on her wavelength that I was just like, yeah, sure, this is what's happening right now. Like, it was completely normalized the experience in a way that forgives a lot of the movies, uh, you know, what Dave referred to as the producerial, pr- what did you say, the, uh, at the producerial level fuck-ups. Um, yes. Yeah, and just like the, the brain-dead screenwriting. I mean, I don't know. I felt like uh, <laughs> she was as much a way into these movies as any character has ever been to a superhero movie. There was a point during Madame Web where I'm like, maybe they could recover from this. Uh, she's fallen into the river. She has seen the web world time, whatever. Uh, web she, world. She sees yeah. a giant S uh, that is, you know, uh, going to be from the finale of this movie, except when it finally happens, it's a P because that's how this movie's edited. Uh, Wait, no, there's gets- an S, but it's a different font than the S that she sees in the vision. I remember seeing this. It is incredible underwater the Pepsi Cola sign. Yes, it's all coming from the phrase. The famous Pepsi. Yeah, right. Maybe it was supposed to be Sprite, and they had they got the Pepsi deal. (laughs) Pepsi's (laughs) product product placement. I mean, the Pepsi sign in Queens is real. Like it's based on a real thing. I love the idea of turning that iconic sign into a murder weapon. Yeah. Well, it's like she keeps seeing the S, but my recollection is when something finally falls on Ezekiel, it's the P. No, I think you're right like, about that. Of course that. it is. Yeah, but you <laughs> see, like... you see an S kind of wobbling before it's a P. I don't really know how to explain that. Anyway, she we, gets we... lifted out. Um, uh, ben, uh, ben Parker, played by Adam Scott, resuscitates her, and then she goes to a baby shower. She's outside talking to her paramedic friends. Whose baby shower is it, Dave? Who's 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 the baby? Uh, it's uh, Blank Parker. We don't hit to hear his name. Uh, no w- well, yeah. Is that? Hold, hold on. Let's pause on the scene uh, where they, where she attends uh, the baby shower of someone she doesn't know. Um, of her her coworkers, sister sister in law. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, they at the game they play. Katie, did you have a baby shower? Yeah. 
Did you play Guess My Baby's Name? No, yeah, no one would ever do that. that. What an insane that is a psychotic, thing to do. Psychotic game. Then you'll be there for like three hours where they name every name. <laughs> These are the sort of things that happen in the movie where it's it like working at a different scene level. In Being John Malkovich, where Maxine makes John Cusack guess her name and he's just like, I will say a friend who I will not name did text me afterwards. Like, what? Like, what's the deal? Like, they're like implying that Adam Scott is the baby's father and they'd like never follow through on that. And I was like, wait, did you not realize who Adam Scott was playing? And like, no, absolutely not. I have to admit, and I understand this is embarrassing for me, but what isn't that I also did not clock that because in my head and I understand this makes no logical sense, but in my, like given the way these movies are made and where we are in the world, but in my head, this entire movie, I was thinking because it takes place and we'll get into this in 2003. Yeah. That uh, you're in like, Oh, Spider-Man is, Spider is Toby Maguire. He's already out there. Spider-Man is Toby Maguire. He's out there. I mm -hmm. never want, I was so certain of that in my head <laughs> that it never once occurred to me that another Spider-Man might be around doing his business. This movie is not so, made for people who remember 9-11, if only because it's set in 2003, it has extensive NSA and domestic spying, and no one ever mentions 9-11 in this entire movie, which is crazy. That's because it was shot to be in the 90s. Right. Oh, yeah, Dave, give me the, the behind-the-scenes scuttlebutt of how it got this bad. They wanted this to be a prequel to the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Then they decided to roll that back. And they're like, well, what if it's the Tom Holland Spider-Man Wait, they movies? were going to make it a prequel to the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies after the Tom Holland ones had come out? Yes. Yeah. Because, Why? Uh, well, because they own Andrew Garfield all by them. Lo them they're lonesome. Uh, they see. share Tom Holland. Uh, in theory, Tom Holland could be called back and forced to do a Sony Spider-Man movie. It just hasn't happened I yet. because. So. Marvel's been holding on to him. But they're all of these side Spider-Man movies all hint towards Spider-Man because they would all love to have a Spider-Man in it. And for a few time or for a little while, a couple of years ago, they were like, maybe we could bring Andrew Garfield back as our Spider-Man and he could be meeting all these different characters. But then obviously No Way Home happened and they're like, well, no, the heat's here. Let's chase the heat. <coughs> so I'm convinced around that point, like they tried to reshuffle it but they did the fucking math wrong. So now we're <laughs> in 2003, but it's like <clears throat> incredibly obvious. There's a, what the Beyonce dangerously in love cover. Yeah. That's really Photoshopped in uh -huh. establishing shot. Uh, there's a pickup where one of the girls stereotypically has a cell phone and immediately gets thrown out the window. We don't even, none of the other girls have cell phones. Yeah. Cause again, it's all took place in the nineties. And then they're like, We'll just have the dance scene at the diner take place to Britney Spears' Toxic, and therefore everybody will, like, line up. But if you listen to the music that's playing in the actual movie, it's 90s music. Really? Because that's what... The, yeah, there's a whole yeah, bunch of 90s songs. There are so many 90s songs. Oh, no, I know I mean, that. The movie, I the movie ends diner. with Cranberry's that, Dream. Yes. The use of Cranberry's Dream in this weird. movie is egregious. Like, it's offensive to me on some, like, cellular level. <laughs> I do feel like we are in for a number of movies that increasingly take place in or around 2003. Because sure. it's, like, still modern enough that you don't have to really dress the the sets and the locations all that differently um, or change the way people operate. But there are no cell phones. Or really not cell phones. As long as there it, are many easy. people as Cassandra Webb. And her last name is Webb. Yeah, let's be. Let's awesome. make that really clear. Cassie she gets, Webb. Her mom gets bit by a spider. She gets spider power powers, and her last name's Webb. Um, she does have an aside in this movie to Adam Scott at some point. 
remind him she has to go home and watch Idol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. She really points that out. And says, I believe I that line oh. is uh, conspicuously ADR'd in. Most of the movie? Is there ADR in this movie? I didn't notice anything. Should we talk to the villain? I want to finish the story I started all this out with. Yeah. So she goes in the water, she comes out, she's had this near-death experience, she saw a bunch of weird shit. She goes to the barbecue, and uh, they're, they're barbecuing, and uh, I think it's Mike Epps' paramedic is like, so what'd you see? And her answer is, Jersey. And the scene's over, and I laughed, and I settled in for the rest of the movie. That was just like, <laughs> okay, Dakota Johnson's going to drag me through this movie with one, like, the best delivering of the worst line possible and i i had given up even before we got into the baby shower but yes let's talk about ezekiel sims oh lord patches or no i'll do this to katie katie ezekiel sims is always saying we don't know the choices that he had to make we don't know where he mm. came from where do you think ezekiel sims came from is he related uh, to david sims i think he is unfortunately <laughs> um i think he spent a long time building a terrarium in the middle of his beautiful apartment uh, he he has a, so like you, we meet him in the jungle. Like the first yeah. eighty yard line I noticed was him saying in the background, like you hired me to do security for you in the jungle. And I was like, oh, he was hired to do security in the jungle. I mm-hmm. guess he's supposed cool. to be from Peru. That's where she is, Peru. Um, they cast to Harahim, who is French, and I wondered throughout if he had been like trying I to. I do didn't get a... the impression he's from Peru. Well, like he's from outer space. Like, there's no telling where this person is supposed <laughs> to be from. But to Harahim, who is French, has lines, no business doing any of this. Every one of his lines is dubbed in the movie. He, yeah. There's nothing from the original performance in this movie. It is extremely odd. It's and that's where like the room esque. Like delirium yes. begins but in this movie. If not for him, we wouldn't be introduced to one of my favorite characters in the probably history of superhero movies, uh, which is Zosha Mamet as the <laughs> hacker who never stands up. How did she get into an apartment? How did she get all those computers in there? Why is she tracking I, people? I I love her so much. There's a very good Polygon uh, article on Polygon.com right now, which is what does Ezekiel Sims do for money? And like, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> What does well, so I mean there's a good there's a setup that you could you could headcanon yourself to this, which is the whole reason Cassandra Webb's mom is in Peru is because she wants to find the spider because it has healing powers, right? That there's yes. like if we because her baby has a medical condition spider, they've diagnosed in sure. utero. And then so like she wants in theory he's stealing it to maybe become a pharma bro, but we never see his empire. There's no sense of where he's come, what he's done. He has given himself the bite. He can, he's basically Spider-Man in this movie, right? Like he can climb on walls. He seems super strong. He gets thrown into buildings and he gets back up. Like he's evil Spider-Man pursuing them. And I thought your comp, Dave, was really good. It, I guess it is like a Terminator movie. He's just chasing them the whole time because he has seen a vision. He's having dreams as well. Do you think he has the same powers as... Madam Webb, is he seeing the future in the same well, way? Well, he's seeing yes. like yes. he's seeing like decades in the future, though, and she can't at least not. That's from because she, she wasn't was, directly he, spider bitten. It got awakened in her. They do at some oh, point. Of course, of but course, he's of just course. he's just having her he's little, can, like. Well, sorry, Dave. Go on. Well, Dakota Johnson has a scene where she's reading her mom's notebook to the cat. We do hear about the prehensile abilities being part of this spider bite, but yes. Uh, it's I, not I, that he can going. see the future so much as the fact that he has is haunted by this one vision of these three girls killing him 
Girls in spider people costumes. We we wait for the posters. We get to see it too, and then he wakes up next to a scantily clad NSA agent, and he says, "I had to write it down because this is when I realized that was the plot. It's not a dream. I'm gonna be murdered someday." And I was like, "Okay, Ezekiel, I'd be." This one night stand just took a weird turn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think she says something like again, and I'm like, "What is what is happening?" Uh, But the answer is they need to give him NSA tracking equipment. Otherwise, they would need to have more scenes of him actually tracking. Uh, But instead, we got Zosha Mamet constantly watching the NSA's highest hack security. She's so good. I would pay money to see video of them shooting those scenes. We are giving uh, a lot of credit to Dakota Johnson, but Zosha Mamet is uh, understanding the assignment of this movie, I would say. I mean, I I don't know about that, but I do know. I'm not sure she's giving a lot. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know if Dozer Mamet knows what this movie is about. I do know honestly. that she's like, wait, you want me to be in a superhero movie and I'm doing computers and I never stand up. Okay, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can do that. She got cleared, <laughs> she went on her way. Yeah. Uh, so, because of how this movie has to like sort of twist into not giving away any of the actual Spider-Man universe, nothing is allowed to happen uh, in terms of what we would be as like, spider-man superpowers because in the world that this movie wants to exist in spider-man has to show up some point and everyone has to be like we've never seen anything like it before so there's lots of weird like the action sequences definitely do not make sense what action the what yeah the one now the one where he's like chasing them in the suit in the the crash she crashes the ambulance through the wall there's one in the subway and there's a 90 second one in the diner uh the solution to both of these is hit him with a car i think Mm -hmm. Uh, they really have no other option. They're not power. They, they have don't no have superpowers, yeah. right? Yes. So they don't have big weapons. They don't have these costumes that we've seen them in yet, and they never will because they do not become right. superheroes in this movie like you think in the beginning that they they must gain these powers. They must become these oh. costumed heroes by the end. No, they we do have not all do these, anything. Uh, class action lawsuits in recent years about you know <laughs> trailers for missing <laughs> content, and in this case, all the footage that we were shown is actually in the movie mm-hmm. but it's all just flash forwards <laughs> yeah. that don't, awesome. don't actually uh happen it's very funny it's selling um, a prequel that doesn't happen and then by lack of which is why i just think it was based on terminator and not necessarily i can't prove it the one thing that could have possibly made this interesting is some sort of bootstrap paradox but again nobody gets powers what's a bootstrap paradox we're like ezekiel by trying to stop his death gives the powers to the I girls see. Okay. you know like yeah. you know but sure. if he goes to, if he tries to stop it that's actually the thing that like dooms him sure that would be interesting yeah. and then we'd at least get some fucking powers but uh yeah the movie instead has maybe three total minutes of costumes in it and that's including ezekiel doing whatever and he's doing these three girls that we keep referencing the movie um do they have any personality types discerning? No, their entire features. personality Sydney is Sweeney are, is one, one of them. One of them is famous, and the other two are not. And it's weird that Sydney Sweeney is just kind of like part of a group. Like, why did she take this part? They why do they dress her? Act- they're like all acting a their wardrobe from the uh, Britney mm. Spears video. Yeah. but like teasingly sexual. It was, it's because I found that all, very odd. 
all they can do is act their wardrobes. And so they're like, this one is the the one. This, this one, one has is a skateboard. This one has a skateboard. <laughs> I will say the, the liveliest portion of the, portion of the movie is after the subway fight when she gets them in the cab and she's like, I'm not kidnapping you. And then they get to the woods and like she yells at them a bunch. Like that, the movie kind of came alive for me in that part. Like if the, there was more. Like it was a real jo- movie for yeah, a second. Yeah, exactly. She's the found like, mom. Like, I kind of like get what we're going for. That It's funny. It's like intentionally funny. Like it felt like there was, it was breathing thing for a second and then you know it completely goes away but i give them credit for that part well this show uh isabella or said who plays anya i guess is her name i'm looking at wikipedia but she uh, to your point katie like they're all telling their backstories and she was like i i live alone because i think her dad was deported yeah my dad got Mm -hmm. deported and i was like wait this is getting heavy and you're all lost so maybe Yep. And maybe, the, maybe there's something it here. It sort of no. does because I think she adopts them all at the end. And it's like. Right. They're all living together in an apartment by the end and being like, this is the beginning of our sitcom. And she's turned just... into Professor X in her uh, mobile chair oh, yeah, with sunglasses yeah, on. I like that they like look uh, at the Spider-Man property. They're like, what makes a spider person? It's like, well, first of all, the parents can't be there. because <laughs> <laughs> How would we deal with that story wise? Uh, yeah, it's so it's so they weird. They had to make her go. They had to blind her by the end and put her in a wheelchair to make her dress up as a costume comic book character that no one, no one remembers and no one has a vision of unless you maybe watch she, like the Spider-Man animated series in the 90s. She doesn't card. <laughs> Yet. Yet. <laughs> Yet. It means nothing to me. Yeah. Uh, Madam Web's a weird choice. Uh, Madam Web as like a shell for something that involves Spider-Man I definitely make sense with. But this version of Madam Web that won't even call the baby Peter Parker is just like why I don't why have we assembled to watch this film to make this film at what uh, I have to assume based on a bunch of stuff. First of all, a lot of these women, when they were cast, uh, were like Dakota Johnson was like, I talked to Elizabeth Olsen and Sydney Sweeney's like, I'm so happy to be in like the MCU. And they were like Instagram tabbing like MCU. Pretty sure Sony lied to these ladies. <laughs> They're like, would you like to be in a Marvel movie? And they were like, yes. And then the first trailer came out. Dakota Johnson switched to representation the same week. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure these women were lied to. But like, second of all, this can't be what they signed up for. Like, I just because I assume one of them has good agents. I mean, it can if the pitch is like we want to do something radically different. And that's what I'm going back to here. Like, which is like and, and the and the director of the movie, this woman, S.J. Clarkson, who I think has done mostly television. She's done yeah. big shows, right? Game of Thrones and, and like legit TV. And this was kind of her step up to to features she's been out there on the circuit against all of the uh negative current uh being like i wanted to make something psychological i wanted to make something small and and thriller-y and and do something totally different and it's i guess admirable and it is that but like this movie it's not just chopped to bits it's there's it's demented on on a very granular level the scene that stands out to me is after that barbecue that we were talking about this movie takes place during the summer right like they're outside a lot there's a bunch of sequences she's uh cassandra webb's a paramedic so we see her like saving the day a bunch in broad daylight there in queens i'll give it credit they shot this movie in new york it's like a real new york movie so mm-hmm. unlike the j-lo movie I, it's basically you know, I mean on the street. new york's famous fireworks it's, it's factory gritty, features very <laughs> prominently <laughs> um and, yeah. These are the weird details. But after that barbecue that takes place in the summer, she goes home to her apartment. And do you guys remember what she watches on television? Oh, she's watching a Christmas Carol. She's watching a Christmas Carol. 
Yeah. In the middle it's of the all about summer. On the future. her TV. On her TV. Everything yeah. is so strange in this because movie. Everything other, was suddenly other, for one. If it wasn't for a Christmas Carol, she that pigeon would have died in every timeline. <laughs> and she wouldn't have thought maybe I could change the future because, you know, so just when, whenever your story's failing you, just go right back to the original Dickens and, and pull it's like some shit out of your ass. The movie's chopped to bits, but every foot, piece of footage that's in it is still weird. Yes. And that is the room-esque. Like, it is, and to your point, the fireworks factory. There's just a fireworks factory here. And that's the only action scene they can come up. They don't have power, so they can light fireworks at the fake Spider-Man. And then there's not fun. But, I mean, the, the movie's gone by this point, but there's definitely a point where a single firework breaks through a brick wall. I have that in my notes. That was incredible. <laughs> what else is in your notes? Let's round down by going through Katie's extensive my extensive notes app notes, notes from sitting in the that theater. Made you write something down. Uh, oh, the guy web. who's trying to get on the train to Poughkeepsie, or no, he's trying to get on the K train to Mount Vernon, <laughs> whatever. Right That's train? funny. Right Do they uh, explain <laughs> why all the girls are trying to go to Poughkeepsie? Nope, absolutely. Why is she no. trying to go to Poughkeebsie? Why is well, Madame Web going She's on the train. She's all on the train connected to her web. She has They're to save the girls, but why are all three of the girls on the train? Um, I, I I'm certain I saw a boom mic uh, after the ambulance crash early on, where it's like flashing a oh. bunch of times. Like, did you see that? That's actually a. That's uh, a, that's the brim of somebody's cap, uh, of a paramedic's cap, leaning into her. But yes, right. I'm aware of that shot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just because <laughs> because there's. There, what evidence that this movie absolutely doesn't give a shit if in 2024 there's a boom mic in the shot? <laughs> so I don't, I don't doubt that you know it looked like it. And then I, I wrote down a single line that we, we can maybe all pull, pull out our favorite howlers, but the one I wrote down was, "But I don't have a neuromuscular disorder." <laughs> and when you take on the responsibility, yeah. great power will come. <laughs> it really oh, between that so and then the baby, it feels like they didn't get the rights to Spider-Man. Mm. Like that, it feels like they were trying to like get around copyright. But the whole point is that they do have the rights to Spider-Man. It's nuts. <laughs> well, uh, in summation, Dakota Johnson yeah. innocent. Everyone else, I guess it. so. I guess is she innocent. Is she like? Have a future? What is no? She totally Johnson? has a future. Is she, she like a, a good actor? Yeah. What, yes. what have we seen actor. her in that we like? The Lost Daughter. I mean, the, lo the Lost Daughter again. Uh, oh, bigger yeah, Splash, Suspiria, Social Network. I mean, yeah. she's right. good in so, How to Be Single. Those, those are she's she's a great actress. She's one, one scene, of my favorite but... people to see on screen. And uh, Madame really? Web did nothing to change that. She's an excellent Look, screen really presence. If you really want to stick it to Sony, wait five years and then bring her in as Madam Web in the MCU in a movie that works. The what? And... The what's going to exist in five years? <laughs> <laughs> I said, wait. Well, I guess if any of us are still alive in five mm, years, yeah, enough. bring it. Resurrect Madam Web like you are. Uh, so many D'Onofrios and Jacksons. Uh, to let, let her let her back in. Just let her take another shot at it. Canonically, it works for the MCU, sort of. Uh, but yeah, we're we getting don't. another Sony Spider-Man movie this year. Are we all aware that Craven oh, comes yeah. out in August? We're actually getting two patches because I Venom comes Venom out in December. I am definitely yeah. on vacation both of those weeks. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm watching yeah. the shit out of Craven. I that was one... asking. Craven seems like it could be just down and dirty bro film, I mean, but I was talking to someone about Craven who who has a connection to the movie and. After Madame Wham, I'm like, well, it's got to go up from here. Like, it can only get better. And the face the person made when I said that, I <laughs> I lost a lot of hope. But uh, well, I, Craven, I really, I really want to swing great, back. 
Craven is a great Marvel snap card, so I have I have hope. <laughs> and I, then you know I'm excited that they gave Tom Hardy more control over Venom since they're not going to use it otherwise. So Venom Three is also a I'll probably I'll probably watch the other two Spider Man movies in theaters this year. I do feel like I have a uh, you know cracked something open by agreeing to see Madame Web when I've skipped Aquaman and how are many of the last Marvel <laughs> movies? I'm worried that I'm not committing myself to something I don't want to do. But you know what? I didn't have a bad time. I'm glad I did it. So <laughs> bring on Craven the Hunter, I guess. <laughs> Madam Web in theaters. Don't see it unless you know. I don't know. You're drunk. Make your choices. That does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. We're doing a flashback uh, while we get our act together so that all of us have seen Dune 2, which as I speak, I have not. Uh, so we're going to watch Cruel Intentions, which turns 25. Uh, your creaking knees uh, can tell you that it's turning 25, and I'm not. Uh, so yeah, watch Cruel Intentions with us. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. I haven't looked it up yet. Uh, in the meantime, tell the people who you are. I am Matt Patches, executive editor of Polygon.com. I'm on Twitter. No, wait, I'm not on Twitter. I got rid of there. I'm on Blue Sky now. I was in autopilot there. I'm on Letterboxd, Mr. Patches. We have a website, fightingintheworldroom.com, where you can listen to us talk about, uh, I don't know, other Spider-Man movies with actual Spider-Man in them, I would imagine, for many, many years. Um, but don't listen to the ones about Spider-Man movies that don't have Spider-Man. Uh, they're bad. Fightingintheworldroom.com. Uh, I'm David Ehrlich. I have some new title in a new era, but I can't remember Ooh. what it is at the moment. Um, yeah. You can find me there. Um, it means absolutely nothing on a practical day-to-day basis and the work that you'll see from me, for better or worse. So, uh, there's that. Anyway, um, you can find me... Yeah. What? <laughs> you can find Kvetch-ly. me... Vetch. That's your title? Yeah. I don't... You're, you're, you're the lead of Kvetch. I mean, you're putting Kvetch. a K in front of it because... Kvetch. Okay. Uh, you're missing the K. I mean, Vetch on its own. No, Kvetch, I'm, I'm saying I'm, tr- it. I'm trying to say it. I'm also trying to say it, but I'm much more <laughs> Gonzalez than Katie is. I see. Anyway, um, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at David Ehrlich. You can find me on Blue Sky at whatever. You can find me on Instagram at David Ehrlich. You can find me on Letterboxd at David Ehrlich. You can find me at my personal address. Please don't. Mm. Uh, you can find <laughs> all of us together. On the Apple Podcast app, at Fighting in the War Room, leave us a review. We will read it live on the show. It can be whatever it is that is going through your head. It doesn't matter to us. Uh, and if you don't, I'll just tell you about Marvel Snap and who has which which stars of shitty Sony movies have great Marvel Snap cards <laughs> and which don't. Uh, or if you would like to email us, you can do so at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com I'm Dave Gonzalez, spell my first name DA7E, that's my handle on Blue Sky Twitter and Letterboxd, you can also hear me on the Trial by Content podcast if you for some reason want to hear more about me, and I can't wait for two weeks to talk about Dune 2 uh, I'm Katie Rich, I'm pleased to share that uh, Sarah Michelle Geller won the Teen Choice Award for Choice Movie Sleazebag uh, for Cruel mm. Intentions back in 1999, so uh, something to look forward to next week. Uh, you can also find me at Vanity Fair on the Little Gold Men podcast. The Vanity Fair Hollywood issue covers out. I talked to Lily Gladstone for it. It was great. She looks amazing in it. Read that. 
Uh, and on Little Gold Men, we're talking about the Oscar shorts. And you can find out which ones are any good. Spoiler alert, most of them aren't. But there's some interesting ones in there. Um, I'm on Twitter some. I am on Blue Sky some. And Letterboxd at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And you can find us in some of those places at F-I-T-W-R, where you can share your favorite Teen Choice Awards memory. Or you can answer Ooh. this big slight around question. And on our driveway dolls and Ethan Cohen's solo directing joy coming to theaters this weekend. What's your favorite Cohen Brothers movie? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. I'm done.